Hi, I'm the Strategist Cowboy. Today, I am reviewing two different wheat beers from different brands and countries. One of them being my own country and actually almost in the neighborhood here in southern Sweden. Our first contestant this week is a wheat beer called Sour Raspberry Mango from the brewery Remalev near Eslev, Scania. Scania is only some 15 metric miles times 15 metric miles big. 15 metric miles equals about 93 English miles. But it is the densest populated region in the country. The city of Malmö is the third largest city in Sweden and it is located just 1.5 metric miles from Lund or 9.3 English miles, of course. The production is said by the brewery to be environmental friendly. The brewery has a solid closed ecosystem. This wheat beer is not in Remalev Brewery's regular assortment, as far as I can tell from browsing their website. The beer sort is expensive. It costs 30 kronas, i.e. about $3.50. This particular beer sort is probably more of an alcoholic beverage than it is a beer. I don't have high expectations on this beer. Perfect, it couldn't have gotten a better starting block. The beer has got a mere 4% ABV. The beer contains water, wheat malt and barley malt. The beer is canned in an aluminium can wrapped in a paper label with fruits on. The can is sized 33 centiliters, i.e. about 11 liquid, liquid ounces can. The sour raspberry mango is said by Sustainblaget to best be served at 6 to 8 degrees Celsius i.e. about 43 to 46 degrees Fahrenheit. I think I will agree with that. The brewery says nothing about the preferred serving temperature for any of their beers. The beer is suitable, suitably served as an aperitif or as a socializing drink, so not simultaneous with any food. How about the experience then? A sour, yes, sour uh, aroma. And it's got a large head, but, but I'm drinking this from a wheat beer glass, a special wheat beer glass I bought for this occasion. So it's about three finger, fingers, fingers tall. At least.
little, a little bit more. The color is uh, feculent yellow, orangey, kind of. And the taste, well, sour, very sour. Not exactly acidic, but uh, let's take that later on. Is it rich? Not very, no. It's not particularly bread-like and not yeasty. It's got a sour, fruity taste on my palate. It's dry, but it's uh, not bitter, uh, but it's a wheat beer. It's not exactly candy-like, it's more fruity. It's got a lot of fruitiness in it. I sense no spices, I can, there's no spices I can sense. I don't think so. The undertone is a lot of, a, a lot of fruits. It's like a beverage. The carbonation level. Uh, I think I'm pouring this beer the wrong way, but anyway, it wouldn't uh, affect the taste very much. It's certainly not creamy. But what about the carbonation level? It's like a bad soda, a soda without any sugar in it. It's nothing else. It's, uh, it's so sour, I can almost call it acidic, but it's not really uh, artificial acidicness. Are there any aberrations? Are there any? Are there not any aberrations in it? I mean, well, come on. Oh, okay. What about grading then? I have to drink this beer. Is there worst? Is the worst uh, uh, what's it called wheat beer I've ever tried? Not because it's badly done, made, but uh, because I don't like this fruity soda-like taste. It's exactly like a soda without any sugar in it. 
It's nothing else. I doubt there are any good beer connoisseurs that would grade this beer very high. It's an interesting beer because it's uh, odd, but uh, that's about it. Okay. The grading for this beer, I will grade this beer. If it is a beer, even as a beverage, I, I grade, I, I grade one, one devil out of ten possible. Yeah. Our next contestant is the German wheat beer, Polaner Weissbier, from Munich, i.e. München. This beer is not a craft beer like the former beer is. A Polaner Hefe Weissbier costs 24 Swedish kronas, or about two US dollars and 80 cents. For this size container, it is not very expensive. The beer has got a 5.5% ABV. It contains water, malted wheat, malted barley, yeast, and hop. The hop is of the German sort, Hallertau. What is a German beer without German hops? The Germans make their beers according to the Reinheitsgebot principle agreement, which is actually a judiciary law from very early in recorded history. They are by law not allowed to add taste enhancers of any sort in their beers, be it artificial slash chemical taste enhancers or natural taste enhancers. But there are a few exceptions the natural ingredients and taste enhancers, coriander and bay leaves were allowed in 1551 and juniper and cumin in 1616. Otherwise, the only ingredients allowed are water, malt and hops. And it must be said that many German beers can compete very well still, also outside of Germany. One funny thing is that the Reinheitsgebot law doesn't mention yeast as an allowed ingredient at all. But the Germans definitely brew their beers with yeast. When the Reinheitsgebot law was first introduced in Germany in the early 16th century, or even in an earlier version in the mid 14th century, wheat malt was not allowed as an ingredient in any beers. But the restrictions were pretty, pretty soon eased a bit, so that it was possible to legally brew wheat beers in Germany. And why have a purity law if you, if you allow a few added natural ingredient, ingredients or spices, but no other added natural ingredients or spices? It would make more sense today if they banned artificial slash chemical ingredients but allowed natural ingredients that is not otherwise against any of the current food laws. 
especially since the EU has ruled that the German Rheinisky board is a barrier to trade, even though the law still applies for German-made beer. Many of the, majors, of the world's major beer brands fall outside of the rules for Rheinisky board and can now also be freely marketed in Germany. But I think it is a cultural thing, and so it is hard to change for the Germans. Albeit, the Germans can experiment with the yeast strings to create a natural fruit flavor and slash or taste. And they do, with this beer at least. The beer is bottled in an ugly short-necked bottle with the name Polaner embossed on the 50 centiliters, i.e. 17 ounces glass bottle. Polaner Weiss beer is said by Sustainblaget to best be served at about 8 degrees Celsius, i.e. about 46 degrees Fahrenheit. The brewery says nothing about the preferred serving temperature. How about the experience then? When poured the right way, this beer does not have a tall head at all, less than one finger tall. Anyway, it's a yellowish, feculent in color. I can hardly see my fingers through the glass, only in the shadow of them. It does. It, it do. It does have a banana flavor, um, aroma. Uh, it smells good. But um, the banana flavor is artificial, I think. Even though it's made of yeast, it's a yeast tree. I'm not very into um, wheat beers actually, but uh, okay. So we're going on, going forth. We'll take the taste of this beer first. Ah, banana. It is banana. Banana without sugar. Fruit sugar. Is it rich? Like usually, 
white, bear, white bears are not rich. Is it bread-like? Perhaps. But the banana taste takes over. It conquers the bread-like taste, perhaps. It's not yeasty, but it's the yeast string, the banana yeast string like thing. Maybe I should uh, label this beer yeasty. But I don't think it uh, tastes like yeast. Taste on my palate is uh, artificial banana and it's not sweet it's a wheat beer but a little bit perhaps a little bit and it's not bitter it's a wheat beer again It's not particularly candy-like, maybe a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. It's a banana thing. It's not fruity. I don't think at least. Well, fruity banana. Are there any spices in it? Perhaps. Yeah, there are some, I don't know what. The undertone is uh, artificial banana. And the combination of it is Not very high, I think. I don't know yet, but I don't think so. Well, a little bit. May one moment. No, not very high. And it's not creamy. It's not acidic. But there are some aberrations, and that's the artificial banana. I don't think that should belong there. It's not artificial, but it tastes artificial because it's like banana without fruit sugar in it. What about grading then? Well, I don't really like the, like the banana 
taste in it, flavor, whatever you want to call it. It's uh, shallow in some way, but it's not, it's not satisfying, but it's there. I would rather prefer if they had used real bananas, in, it would have tasted better. But I'm not sure you can use real bananas in, in beers. But uh, anyway, I grade this beer. Three devils out of 10 possible. Maybe four on a good day. But not more. Okay, absolutely don't drink and operate heavy machines, military or civilian. Drink responsibly or not at all. Don't drink at all if you're underaged or pregnant. Thank you. This week's lesson is a strategic lesson. Where does Germany get its oil from? If the numbers in a source lacks a year attached to it, it is always to be understood as the year 2016. Now let's start. German import from any and all of the countries in the Persian Gulf is not mentioned in the CIA World Factbook. But the German export to the countries in the Persian Gulf is as follows. Saudi Arabia import from Germany is 6.3% in 2016. Iran import Germany 4.0%. Iraq import Germany not mentioned. Kuwait import Germany 6.2%. Qatar import from Germany is 9.8%. United Arab Emirates import Germany 4.4%. Bahrain import Germany not mentioned. Bahrain exports no oil, but they export a lot of refined kerosene used for aircraft propulsion. If we move on to North Africa, like Libya, Germany is not mentioned as a major export or import partner. What about Germany? Are they to make me believe that Germany export technology to many of those countries without getting anything in return, like oil? Sadly, the CIA World Factbook doesn't reveal where Germany gets most of its oil from. Apparently from none of the above countries and not from Oman, UK or Norway either. Even though Germany may still buy a percentage of oil from Norway and the United Kingdom for a few years yet. And although Germany buys quite much of its oil from Russia, but apparently aren't exporting much goods worth mentioning to Russia. There is a discrepancy between their exports of technology and imports of oil in the CIA World Factbook.
The UK export quota to Germany is 10.7% of all exports. That's a big share, only second to their export to the US. Their import quota from Germany is 13.6%, which amounts up to a number one place on the list. The UK produced 933,000 barrels of oil per day and export 632,200 barrels of oil per day. And of that, only 154,000 barrels of oil per day are exported to Germany. That will not sustain total German oil consumption by far. Anyway, note that it is not million barrels per day. It's only in the hundreds of thousands. The UK is Germany's least important import partner on the important list in the book. In total, 4.1% of Germany's total import quota. But the UK is third on the list of Germany's export partners after the US and France in that order. But Germany may have put their eggs in multiple baskets. So many that they fly under the radar for oil in the CIA World Factbook. Of the 11 most important import partners Germany has, Russia isn't mentioned. Of the nine export partners, you cannot find Russia. But you can find small countries, among them the Netherlands, as number four in the list. If you read on the pages for Russia's main export partners, Germany is number three, after the Netherlands as number one, and China is number two. As Russia's import partner number two, after China, we see Germany again. Only Russia's GDP is $4 trillion, and Germany's is $4.15 trillion. Something is clearly rotten in the state of Germany and also in the Netherlands, because for Russia, the Netherlands is the number one export partner. But for the Netherlands, Russia is only the number six import partner, a mere last in the mentioned list. It just doesn't add up at all. I need to mention that Germany exports electricity. 78.86 billion kilowatt hours exported electricity. Germany imports 28.34 billion kilowatt hours. Of the total installed German capacity, 42.6% comes from fossil fuels. 5.3% of the total installed German capacity comes from nuclear fuels. 2.2% comes from hydroelectric plants and renewable sources amounts to 49.9% of total installed German capacity. And this is where it gets really funny. In the CIA World Factbook 2018 to 2019, Germany is said to produce 8.73 billion cubic meters of gas in 2015. And the book tells us that Germany import 102.5 billion cubic meters of gas 
That amounts up to 111.23 billion cubic meters of gas. But they export 32.51 billion cubic meters of gas. And Germany consumes 773.2 billion cubic meters of gas. Their own proved reserves of natural gas is only 41.99 billion cubic meters of total. Oh, Germany, what are you hiding? Something isn't right. Nord Stream is said to be operating two gas pipelines from Russia to Germany with an annual total capacity of 55 billion cubic meters of gas. Apparently, it is for each gas pipeline. Russia's Gazprom, which supplies the gas, owns 51% of Nord Stream, while German, French, and Dutch shareholders constitute the remaining owners. Gazprom does not need more than 51% of the Nord Stream shares in order for Putin to control Nord Stream in total, as Gazprom is so regimented unilaterally Kremlin loyal, and its majority of CEOs CEOs are high-ranking former Russian militaries posing as members of a board. Hmm, interesting. Dutch shareholders. How much of Germany's oil comes from Russia via the Netherlands? Belgium is a country which has no main oil-producing import partners, apart from the US and the UK, who imports for their own part. Its biggest import partner is the Netherlands. Belgium imports 639,500 barrels of oil per day. This, I suspect, should mainly come from Russia via the Netherlands, since Russia is not mentioned as one of Belgium's seven most important import partners. The UK is the number five in declining order. Belgium's main export partner is Germany. But Belgium does, doesn't seem to export any oil, only refined petroleum products, according to the CIA World Factbook 2018 to 2019. They have no natural gas production, but they consume 23.01 billion cubic meters of gas in 2015. And they export 1.694 billion cubic meters of gas in 2015. They import 18.81 billion cubic meter, cubic meter of gas, 2015, according to the fact book. The import of gas comes from the UK. They are not among Russia's six main export or six main import partners mentioned in the fact book. They are likely to buy their oil from someone who buys it from Russia in their turn. But to be fair, it is not uncommon for the numbers not to add up in the CIA, CIA World Factbook. It is the same for the UK regarding gas production, gas imports, gas exports, and gas consumption, only not as significant as it is for Germany. Germany imports 1.837 million barrels of oil per day, a number six in the world. Crude oil proved reserves is only 
0.4 million barrels of oil. Kazakhstan and Azerbaijan should, according to the same security policy, reasonably belong to the Russian quota, since Russia controls the oil pipelines to E.G. Leningrad Oblast. At least as long as there is no oil pipeline in Turkey, not controlled by Russia. Germany's own data from the Bundesministerium für Wirtschaft und Energie, BMWI, regarding the 33 million tons of oil, i.e. 240 million barrels, reportedly imported from Russia, should instead amount to 43 plus million tons, i.e. 312 plus million barrels. As Germany, according to the statistics, import 8 million tons, i.e. 58 plus million barrels from Kazakhstan and 2 million tons, i.e. 14.5 plus million barrels from Azerbaijan. And most of the oil imported to Germany from the Netherlands should probably also be accounted to import from Russia. But the Netherlands, despite being Germany's number one import partner, is belonging to the column called Rest of World 12 Countries. This shouldn't be. It should belong to the Russian column, and almost all of the oil in the last column must come via the ne Netherlands. There is just no other way to interpret all the information in this article. And even then, it doesn't add up nearly as good as it should have. As I have said, Russia's number one export partner is the Netherlands, two places above Germany on the list. And if Germany imports 312 million barrels a year from Russia, three-fourths of that which is exported from Russia to the Netherlands, and Germany's main import partner is the Netherlands. Well, you do the math. According to the Swedish security blogger Cornucopia, Sweden imports 394,000 barrels of oil a day in 2016. That equals 54 plus thousand tons a day, or 19.7 plus million tons a year. 45% of that crude oil comes from Russia, and 26% comes from Norway. Since Norway's, Norway's export to Germany is nearly exactly twice as much as their export to Sweden, according to the CIA World Factbook 2018 to 2019, our 26% oil quota bought from Norway, i.e. 102,440 barrels, should land at 205,000 barrels of Norwegian oil bought by Germany. And it does, according to the MWI. Since Germany's total import of oil is 1,837 million barrels of oil per day, and the import of oil from Russia is 312 plus million barrels per year, or 854,795 barrels of oil per day, then the remainder is 982,205 barrels per day, 
they have to get from somewhere somewhere else than Russia. As I have stated, 205,000 barrels per day comes from Norway and about 175,000 barrels a day comes from the UK to Germany. That adds up to 602,205 barrels of crude oil they have to get from the rest of the countries in the list above, on the list above. What they have to get from the rest equals almost one third or 29% of the total oil import from every other nation but Russia, Kazakhstan, Azerbaijan, Norway, and the UK. The Norwegian and British oil is Brent oil used to make gasoline from, and Germany's vehicle park is mainly running on diesel. The sources for this article is CIA World Factbook 2018 to 2019, and the blog Cornucopia, and the Bundesministerium für Wirtschaft und Energie, BMWI. Thank you and see you later, alligator. At a while, crocodile. Oh, thank you.